0: Breakfast. Oh, yay. Alternative news, analysis, Wrap and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am oh, to 8:30am.
1: The- <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. The date is the 10th of July. And just to start us off, I want to acknowledge that we're broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunrung people of the Kulin Nation. Um, these are lands that have not been ceded, um, and the sovereignty that uh, the Bunrung and Wurundjeri people have in their lands has also not been ceded, nor has a treaty ever been signed. And we're also acknowledging any elders, um, past and present, um, who may be listening, but who are um, on these lands and um, any who are emerging. And also all Indigenous people who who may be listening um, across various stolen lands in what is now so-called Australia. Um, I'm Will, and I'm Edwin. And uh, yeah, welcome to Wednesday Breakfast, folks. I hope you get to enjoy the show today. Um, it's been a week. It's been a, it's been
3: a week. Yeah, uh, how's it been in a, in a week of the life, Will?
2: In in my life, uh, Will's
3: week. Do do do.
2: I'm still sick. Yay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but apart from that, like it's been pretty pretty okay. It's school holidays, so yeah. um, at my work it's really busy because mm. I work at a tourism type thingy, and it's um yeah oh gosh All the children. I didn't realize the children <laughs> there were so many. <laughs> oh. So many. <laughs> So many. So overwhelming. Yeah, I can't. Tell you what, actually.
3: I had my first bus encounter with Mm. a child who, I was sitting on the bus, pulled up to the stop. The child Mm. decided the best way to hail the bus was Mm. to scream at it. (laughs) So he's just standing by the door going,
0: "Ah!" Gets on, gets
3: up on his seat and goes, everyone put on your seatbelt. And I'm like, are you preparing me for like World War Three? Like, what is happening? <laughs> just 15 minutes of just full on screaming. And was oh, like, no. Oh. Was he okay? He was fine. Right. He was having a good time. Oh, okay. But The biggest problem was, I think, okay. that there were two of them. Yeah. So it was like him and his younger brother, uh, like four and a three-year-old. Right. They were egging each other on. Yeah. They were having a good time. Wow. The rest of the bus were kind of holding on to their hats and hoping the apocalypse didn't start. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: uh,
3: oh, right on. I, I vibe with that children thing.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. well, I, I hope, um, look, this is this is somewhat opposite to how I feel at work, but I hope no one ever tells those kids to shut up, because I think that's great. That's hilarious, that's so funny. <laughs> I don't know, I was close, yeah. I was close. Nice, <laughs> okay. So to, um, to, to
3: flip that for mm. one second, um, my family friend, who's turned 11 this year, mm. Actually got up. We we were, I was looking after the other day. Hmm. She actually got up and made me lunch the other day. <gasps> wow! And I was like, unasked. Like unasked, got up, Vol- made a full lunch, cleaned it up, no and I was way. like, you have. Mature, you have
2: grown. That is grown. What did they do? <laughs> that they were done? making up for?
0: <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah, I you'll find know. something broken later. Oh house. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm was it a good
4: lunch? lunch?
3: It was a fan. She made us chicken soup because we we're all sick. Wow. Yeah, conscientious oh. little being.
2: Oh, your whole family sick as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: it's, well. it's, the, it's the season for it. We it hope is. you guys aren't sick. Today's no. weather's not looking... Look,
2: uh, uh, well I mean, I'm only going off, you know when you're on the tram and mm. they've got that kind of little... Display saying what mm. today 's weather is, and the the whole of the information is it is currently ten degrees, it was ten degrees, yeah, um, and uh it will rain at some point, yeah, yeah, um we'll give you a bit more of a detailed rundown of the weather um as we start alternative we News. Go, yeah, I know we're really inconsistent as to when we do the weather mm. um, i don't know when it's best though
3: we're trying we're trying to figure out a more consistent time, so please, if you guys have a <laughs> good idea about when the weather should be brought yeah, in, sure we're thinking like eight o'clock maybe yeah, yeah. we might. Mess around with that, but then again, knowing us, we're a bit chaotic. (laughs) Yes, we are. We are a bit chaotic. It comes to uh, Um, regular beats. Yes.
2: So aside from a week of um Mm -hmm. of of sniffles and tissues for for the two of us, Mm -hmm. um, it's also been NADOC week. Yes. And as part of our NADOC week, um uh coverage here at 3CR we've been um producing beyond the bars which has been running for years mm-hmm. it's a uh, live radio broadcast from Victorian prisons where um the Victorian indigenous population is massively over incarcerated mm-hmm. and so um so that's that's where we 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 broadcast from um hearing voices of strength and culture surviving even inside those walls and so um Yesterday, um, and you can actually listen back. So this is why I'm mentioning um, the day, uh, the shows from yesterday and the day before. Um, on Monday, we heard from the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre in Deer Park, mm-hmm. um, and yesterday, Mangani Connect- Correctional Centre in Lara. And so, if you want to listen back to those, go to 3CR. Dot org, dot 8 and um, once you click on the listen option, you should be able to click on, uh, I think it's specials. Yeah. Um, That will have Beyond the Bars as its own web page and it's got all of um, the previous year's um uh, archives as well if you want to listen to previous Beyond the Bars specials. Uh, what's going on for, for today?
3: Yeah, so it starts at 11 o'clock and goes till 1 pm, but they'll be um, live from the Fulham Correctional Centre, uh, which is near Sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from 1 till 3 o'clock, so it just goes all day, it'll mm-hmm. be the um, Loddon Prison in Castlemaine.
2: Fantastic. So, yeah. I'm really excited. Oh, it's I think it's going to be fantastic. great to listen to mm. um, when I'm on my way to work. I start work at 12 o'clock today. Nice. So, I'll get the first hour at least um, when they're broadcasting from Fulham Correctional Centre. Mm. Um, you'll be hearing music, you'll be hearing interviews, um, people talking about services in, in prison and how, how like, sort of current affairs with an um, incarcerated person's point of view, and I'm, I'm really excited for that.
3: Absolutely. I um, I was lucky enough to be in the station on Monday, so I got to hear the mm-hmm. start of it, and, I mean, we got personal anecdotes, we got some really cool insights, we got Nutbush mm. city limits for some odd reason. <laughs> it's just a really... Creative conglomerate, like yeah. really insightful, interesting, alternative mm. voice that you never hear. Absolutely.
2: You never hear it. Um, um, can, I, can I just correct the website things. actually? Mm-hmm. It's 3cr.org.au/slash beyond the bars, all one word. Oh, look. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you just type that into your web browser, 3cr.org.au/slash beyond the bars, if you want to listen to mm. previous episodes or previous um, previous specials. Um, but if you want to live stream the episode, obviously we're at 8.55am. However you're listening to us right now, really. Yeah. Listen from 11am until, th- uh, until 3pm today. Between 11 and 3, live broadcast from, from Fulham Correctional Centre and Loddon Prison. It's going to be a great day of radio.
3: Absolutely. And if you are interested, um, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I went, mm-hmm. I attended a, Really cool conference was talking about the abolition of prison systems, Ah. especially from a First Nations perspective. Sure. And if you're interested in following the story or kind of, you know, learning a bit more about it, um, Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance are big in this movement, Mm -hmm. and they've got a lot of really great stuff. So you can search them up on Facebook, um, and they're just, I I don't know, I've been following them as a group to kind of get informed more, and they've been fantastic to learn about, yeah, learn from.
2: Wonderful. So that's just going to Facebook and searching "Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance." Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay.
3: Absolutely. Beautiful.
2: Uh, so, can we talk about today's show? What's coming up?
3: Yeah. So at seven forty, we'll be talking. Uh, actually, this is really cool. Yeah. We'll be talking to the NADOC co-chair. So I decided I wanted to find out a little bit more about NADOC. I know a rough history and roughly what it represents, mm-hmm. but we should get it more in depth. So. Yes. Basically, um, Jean-Paul Jank will be coming on uh, today talking about the significance and importance of it uh, Mm -hmm. and kind of also what this year's theme entails and asks for. Nice. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And uh, at the end of the show, we'll be speaking to Derek Kinchella, who is Manager of Student Services at NuraGill, which is the Indigenous Student Programs um, unit at UNSW. Um, So UNSW is running an inaugural pre-programme uh, for Indigenous school leavers hoping to study science and engineering. Um, and fingers crossed, we can also get Dr Janelle Wheat, who's the head of education at UNSW Science, on to tell us a bit more about that program. If you've got a young one, um, you're Indigenous and you've got a young one who is thinking of studying uh, science or engineering next year and maybe might make the move up to UNSW, then mm. this is really interesting. But otherwise, it's just really interesting to hear about... Um, uh, Progress in, in um, supporting young Indigenous people mm-hmm. to study engineering and science. So, yeah, I'm l- looking forward to that interview. We'll also have other great clips throughout the show about really interesting um, discussions that have been happening in Melbourne lately and um, lately. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Absolutely. Uh, next up is Alternative News Don't Go Anywhere. Uh, yeah, so that's our theme song for Alternative News, Nitty Gritty by Shirley Ellis. Um, so Alternative News is supposed to be things that the mainstream press aren't really covering mm. um, or analysing how they cover stories. Uh, this is, this is kind of neither because it comes out of The Guardian, which is quite a mainstream <laughs> outlet. Um, but it's just something that I really connected with and I wanted to share, share it with people because, um, I think it could get in a really interesting, um, dialogue started. Uh, the article is Bread is Practically Sacred, How the Taste of Home Sustained My Refugee Parents mm-hmm. by Alexander Hemon. Uh, and it's an article, um, that really details, um, Alexander's, um, uh parents attitudes to food and the the way that food is treated culturally in bosnian culture which is his mm-hmm. parents um parents background so um for for a bit of background his parents weren't um they were, they were quite middle class in pre-war yugoslavia um in in what is now called bosnian herzegovina in that region um, and they, they always had this need for abundance of food, despite the fact that they hadn't been, been poor for quite a while. And also that there was a centrality of meat and the consumption of it. And also that food was always a social thing. Mm. You wouldn't really take your food and go off to your room as, as may happen with teenagers these <laughs> these days. In in, um, mostly I, I'd say, I hesitate to say this, but like Anglo-Australian families, mm, um, okay. like I feel like. Not not every I think family TV obviously. TV dinners are a big thing. TV dinners, mm. um, food is kind of an afterthought rather. Like I mean, or or, or food as like a medicine. You know, the idea that um, aside from a baseline of nutrition, you have to do all of these it, foods and you have ticket. to deny yourself certain foods mm. and that sort of thing for the sake of your health. In the same way mm. that you might um, take an aspirin or something like that. Like mm. thinking of food as a, I don't know, just, just thinking
3: of food on charts rather yeah. than of enjoyment.
2: And there were so many things in this in this article bread is practically sacred that I really connected with um, just the way that my fa- my parents like I come from a mixed English and um, Indonesian background mm-hmm. that like my mum would really insist that food never went off and would mm. always insist that no don't throw it away don't throw it away we have to eat that yeah. and the thing is we like I mean they were they weren't wealthy growing up um, they're doing okay now <laughs> which is great because I've moved out of home um, but. That that food had to had such a I don't know like I, I don't scarce, scarcity quality yeah, to it absolutely. like you you really had to look after the food and Mm. eat the food. And if it went bad, then, um, and we threatened to throw it away. Finally, my mom would be like, fine, I'll eat it. And (laughs) so, so there's, there's that in the article as well, that like one of the, one of the parents takes on the role of being like the dustbin (laughs) (laughs) eating, eating the final food. And I just wonder like how, how, how did food work in your, your life, Ivan?
3: Well, it was really interesting because my family, um, obviously m- not my grandparents, but my mm. great grandparents came out of the depression. Yeah. And so very much similar to that sort of, you can't throw, f- you can't throw food away. Mm. You've got to eat everything on your plate. And it's really interesting as that's been passed down in the generations. It's almost become guilt without meaning. Mm. So it's very much like you have to finish everything on your plate. And, you know, that's, that's led to things like overeating or overstuffing. Mm. Um, okay. so it, 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 it's really interesting how, Different. We, we've carried on practices which yes. are no longer now fit with us. I mean, uh, I live with my mother, and we, we actually consume very little. Right. So it's really funny because whenever my friends come over to my house, they're always like, "Where are the snacks? Where are the food? Where's the where's the, <laughs> where's, the where's the toast? Where, yeah. Like, I need samosas. Like, yeah. it's just like the the constant need for food. I think the other thing that's really changed my eating habits is my family love chili, and they love different different dishes so mm. we've i've grown up with a multitude of um yeah kind of different cuisines and stuff like, like that Like a kind of food safari from a different safari. regions of the world is what you mean yeah because yeah. my mom gets bored uh, basically uh, and so we're yeah. constantly changing it yeah so there's,
2: there's something to do with <laughs> like the, do with the, the, the importance of mm. novelty and experience I'll when you, it comes to your food rather than absolutely
3: and i tell you what routine i yeah. think my probably my favorite thing is because i'm mm. actually um, i'm sorry well i'm in the basket of i don't like eating food very much oh. i don't know i just yeah, yeah. Okay, actually sure. what I do love mm. um, in my family there 's a big there 's a really strong emphasis on everyone has to contribute to making dinner ah. whether you 're washing, whether you prep it whether you 're helping out whether you, you know you 're mm. cleaning up. Mm. I really love that part of it because it 's yeah. coming together to make do an activity yeah and then you get to eat it together and you kind of you know it's, yeah. it's great, so I, I guess that that 's where it draws together for me yeah. um, rather than Beautiful. the actual act of eating yeah because the act of eating I associate with like don 't bite your spoon mm. don't eat while you walk like mm. weird arbitrary rules that yeah, <laughs> we have around yeah. eating. Yep. Uh, but the actual making of it, I'm like, I'm, I'm the, all there for.
2: Mm. Isn't food such an interesting sort of lens to, to talk about culture and to talk about Absolutely. the ways in which different ways we grew up? If you if you have a thought, you, the listener, mm. have a thought about how um, how food works in your community, um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, text into 0488 809 855. That's 0488 809 855. Don't forget to include a name or your suburb. Um, Just so we can share your thoughts about food I don't know, it's just something that I'm I'm really interested in lately Totally It's a really great article If you want to read more It's Bread is Practically Sacred How the Taste of Home Sustained My Refugee Parents By Alexander Hemon Mm. And that was in The Guardian
3: Absolutely, absolutely um, I was just thinking also, final thoughts on that. It was hmm. funny because we were talking about this before the show and I was kind of slagging off uh, my kind of cultural foods, which is like English food. But yep. will you point out, um, we have a fantastic dessert range. Yeah. Thinking about that with um, Bread is Sacred, I have to admit, like we have the family buns, you know. Yes. And that they are they, are, they have to be brought to every family occasion. Otherwise, it's not really a family totally, occasion. So yeah. there's, there's totally that connection. Yep. Anyway, so I can't really diss it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I've got a few different articles um, here, but the first one I wanted to start with is actually an opinion piece from the Sydney Morning Herald, but it's called, I got a 998R, but I had a lousy education. And yeah. we touched on this a little while ago, um, Will, when you were not here, yeah. but this idea that our education is really based on memorization of content, cramming of content, rather than actual progressive learning, and the fact that our education system, yet again, is being highlighted that needs dramatic reform. But I really enjoyed this uh, woman's article. Her name is Alana Le- um, um because she goes into detail about the fact that she's like, I got through high school, I got through university, I don't remember a thing, and I don't feel like I deserved the education accolade, which I find right. really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So just that kind of, yeah, she just she's going on and she's talking about how it's it's basically a recent UNICEF. Australian survey found that most students aged 14 to 16 want to learn more practical skills mm. in school. And we were discussing this, again, a few weeks ago about the fact that we don't learn about our own society. We don't learn about, you know, the big issues. I mean, uh, First Nations were hardly covered in our, in our school, mm. in and in a, that's really appalling. And I went to one of the more progressive kind of schools, more ac- sure. aware sort of yeah, schools, yeah. Um, but also things like gender politics or taxation, like none of these really big issues were kind of brought up, right. from practical to kind of like societal things that we should just know mm. about. Mm. Um, and that's leaving our kids kind of lacklustre, I think. Anyway, jumping over from UNICEF also to celebrate NAIDOC Week and kind of uh, the UN's uh, Year of Indigenous Languages, mm. there's a really cool article you can tag onto by Xavier Berry, who is, I believe, uh, like 14 years old or so? Wow. Oh, no, 12 years old. Well, 12 years old, and he's, uh, d- within the article, it's a really cute little article, he's discussing the importance of learning language, uh, uh, and kind of, because he has Aboriginal heritage, and he says reconnecting with that through language, and kind of the cultural significance of that, kind of similar with your, almost what you are saying with food, that, mm. the importance of identity and that sort of stuff. Sure, okay. So it was really fascinating. And finally, touching on NAIDOC Week, I have one final um Kind of article to bring out. So, just last night, uh, Ken White, who is our current Indigenous Minister mm. in Parliament, came out and um, just discussed kind of, or gave his first, I suppose, interview around uh, the directions that the government is taking with kind of First Nation issues and voice in particular. Mm-hmm. And he's just come and he's said a few different interesting comments. So he's said that uh, the government is committed to bring an indigenous voice into parliament, but has urged caution and patience around the issue. Right. And his particular wording of this is saying, OK, we need to. He, he said maybe voice will not be seen as a structure within parliament, sure. but as more of a kind of. Hmm discussion with the communities so it's just interesting to kind of hear those comments around it and we'll be obviously through the next few weeks we'll be getting a few commentators on who know more about the issue to kind of give us a bit more of an informed opinion yeah but it's just interesting
2: yeah it's it's not really either of our place to to Mm. really step into this this argument we should leave um you know indigenous issues to indigenous people and support them in, in their decisions um but i think it's really worth dwelling on those words and his Ken White's use of the words patience and caution, mm, yeah, um, and, and what is really meant by those from, from the point of view of a conservative politician, what what is meant by those words mm. and what is required of people to fulfil the conditions of caution and patience. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'll be thinking about that quite a bit over the next few days, I think. Yeah, sure. I,
3: I think it'll be interesting to find out. Mm. And to
2: critique that as critique well. Critique that, yeah, and definitely...
3: Yeah. I'm looking forward to the government defining it more Mm. at the moment, uh, especially reading this interview, and you guys can find it on the SBS if you're interested in reading it yourself. Uh, but S- definitely on the SBS interview, mm. it's very vague.
2: I'm suspicious we won't have more clarity in the coming days as to what is meant by no. cautious and patience, and mm. um, what what particular conditions will fulfil mm. the government's um, satisfaction that that enough cautious and have been ex- ex- exerted such that <laughs> they can. That's a good question. Do you have a cautionometer? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and so that's 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 something that we can ask questions about and um and look further into. Look further into. Uh, you've been listening to Wednesday Breakfast. Next up. We're going to hear from the Human Rights Law Centre. Sorry, no, we're going to be hearing from the Wheeler Centre and a conversation on the Human Rights Charter. That's up next. Stay tuned.
4: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. City Limits, Limits,
5: brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9 AM.
6: City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment,
5: to transport and planning and housing issues.
7: To privatisations and our utility services.
5: To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band. If we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City limits. limits.
8: An urgent call out to our listeners and supporters. Drew and Steve from the CFMEU Victas have been personally fined by the ABCC a total of almost $20,000 for going on to a site to check up on safety standards. The ABCC has also ruled that the CFMEU can't pay the fine for them. If Drew and Steve can't pay by July the 19th, they'll be in contempt of court and will face jail time. To donate, go to unfairfines.raiserly.com. That's unfairfines.raiserly.com. 3CR is Proudly Union Radio.
2: Yes, we are, and you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Now, a bit of a shift. Um, we're going to be listening back to an um, excerpt of a uh, panel discussion that happened recently. We did pro- promise that we were going to play it last week. Um, but we had too much, too much going on. So, um, what we're gonna do this week is, uh, listen to Right Time, Why We Need an Australian Charter of Human Rights. This is a discussion that was facilitated by Lee Carney of the Human Rights Law Centre. Um, they had guests like Gillian Triggs, who is a former Australian Human Rights Commission President, uh, Tila Reid, who is a proud Varadrian, well-won woman and lawyer, um, and a criminal lawyer as well, and also Kristen Hilton, um, who, uh, Works as the um, Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commissioner. Um, all really vital voices to to hear. In particular, I'm interested to hear what Teela Reid and Kristen Hilton have to say. Um, so let's let's uh, stay tuned. This is an excerpt. If you want to get the whole thing, head to Wheelers com and search for Right Time. Why we need an Australian Charter of Human Rights. Let's listen in.
9: Okay let's talk about some of the actions of the current government. Obviously we had a federal election recently um, and we have the Morrison government and then mere weeks after being re-elected we've seen a series of raids on journalists um, targeting journalists and whistleblowers. Um, we've seen the use of these um, really unprecedented powers which wind back um, democratic freedoms and uh, target press freedoms in a way that I think most Australians haven't realised they could be used. And what do the you know, Australian federal police raids on journalists what do they say about the state of our democracy what do they say about what um, the current Australian government anyway is willing to do when it comes to um, executive overreach and human rights
8: well, well that is what has happened and, and if, we, if we can draw a, a, an historical line in the sand it was from 2001 the children overboard misstatement proven to be false totally false um, the Tampa crisis and 9-11. And from that year, we've seen the conflation of um, asylum seekers, of those of the Islamic faith and terrorism. And that, that gives us a bit of an historical perspective. But what has happened since then has been an extraordinary avalanche of counter-terrorism and Um, counter espionage um, laws including the so called foreign interference laws which gives you a a, a flavour of this we have had 75 separate pieces of legislation since 2001 we're in a state of what uh, overseas academics describe as hyper legislation in Australia, we've got more laws than the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom and they come in if you notice, well you probably won't but in two weeks before Christmas those last sitting days of Parliament That is when you find these laws start slipping through. The rest of us are enjoying pre-Christmas and yet another law has gone through. The espionage foreign interference laws went through, but you can track that back. What what has happened is we've given the new Ministry of Home Affairs and, to be particular, Mr Dutton, powers that ministers have never had before. They're discretionary powers and they're ones that are not amenable to judicial uh, determination for the most part without getting more legally t- technical and I'm afraid we start to see it when we see these kinds of raids but that is when the public outrage begins and that's I see as a healthy thing just as has mentioned um, uh, Dondale De- Detention Centre the, the, photo- the, the CCTV footage and the, and the images of uh, Dylan in a steel restraint with a hood over his head that woke the Australians up to say in our name this cannot be possible and we got a royal commission not with the outcomes necessary that we wanted but, but to, to, to come back to the point we've we've we're in a period now where the governments believe that it can get away <coughs> with these attacks on our democratic freedoms it's true of course that journalists are in a, probably the best position to protect their own interests and they do They're very, very loud and journalists have all sorts of exceptions in relation to to invasions of privacy uh, and to the access and, and, uh, and reporting of information. But what concerns me really even more than the media is that these are powers that are used against ordinary Australians who do not have access to the immense power of the media to complain and we've seen in the last uh, few few, last week or so we've seen News Corporation and Fairfax and all the journalists all making the same point it's very rare to see them coming together but you can see the power of journalism in protecting their rights but we're not very good at protecting our own uh, when it comes to the treatment of our children the treatment of our first peoples um, and uh, and the elderly as stories slowly emerging but but I think that's, that's the That's the environment that has slowly, slowly been created. And it's only when we see the sort of cataclysmic event, uh, like raids on on News Corporation, the Dillon Villa, uh, uh, the the Dondell Detention Centre and other issues, that's when the public starts to realise that this has now become profoundly dangerous. And because we don't have the tools to respond, it's become extremely difficult.
0: This is, this, can I just add, this is the danger um, with not having the Charter, right? The danger is that Australians actually think they have the right to freedom of speech, and they don't. Um, there is no actual right to freedom. There's an implied right to freedom of political communication, um, and that's... One of the things that worries me, I do believe in, in in freedom, particularly of speech and particularly political communication, is absolutely fundamental to a healthy democracy, and it did concern me um, because if if we see these rights being abrogated at that level, then they're they're happening at levels where the average Australian doesn't even is not even affected by them, and there are two things really that I questioned when that happened was firstly the concern now that journalists are facing um, the potential of prosecution uh, and and that's extraordinary, extraordinary that there is the fear they could be imprisoned for their investigations and, and what they write. Um, and the second thing that I also questioned was someone has to grant these warrants, right? Like, someone in in some court, some judge, is is making this decision. Um, So where do we draw a line uh, in in Australia um, in terms of empowering the journalists and and ourselves, essentially, to not have fear of that persecution? And um, it is extremely concerning... As Gillian said, it's, it's when this happens, when powerful institutions react um, to the abrogation of the rights that, that the rest of Australia turns up and, and says, oh, my God, this can't happen. However, you know, on Palm Island, the police were granted a warrant to, ha- to, to raid Aboriginal children and families' homes. They were effectively holding guns to Aboriginal children. Um, and there was, you know, the Maloney case about that and the, There was a remedy in the end, but I I do agree with Gillian on this point that it's completely fundamental to a healthy democracy um, and it's extraordinarily concerning that the executive are overreaching on this point.
9: And I think you made a really, both of you made a really valid point that there's this difference between journalists who have a platform that they can speak from and those in our community who don't, who are deliberately silenced and whose voices you can't hear. And I think this is a a fitting time in Refugee Week to reflect on post the federal election what's happening on Manus Island and Nauru and when you look at the last six years of um, immigration policies and indefinite offshore detention, um, and you look at the fact that Australia doesn't have a Charter of Human Rights that sets out those basic principles and standards and our obligations under international law, when we think about what's happening right now on Manus Island and Nauru, would
5: that be different if we had a Charter of Rights? How would that be different? Well, I, I think it would be... And Sorry. And, and the first thing to say is that it, it takes some time, so it's not just necessarily by having the act, but it's also, I think, the building of the culture within the public service or the legislature or um, within courts as well about how those rights um, get interpreted and then and, and then how they um, get implemented. But it is difficult. I mean. They, possibly would have had a go, but it is difficult to see how we would have the situation that we have now if we had have had a National Human Rights Act that had at its core um, the right of all people to be treated with respect dignity, equality and freedom, but that also enumerated and articulated what those various rights mean. I think it would have given, that we may have still seen some fairly abhorrent refugee policy um, and we may have seen various attempts um, to do the things that have been done, but I think it would have given, um, it would have made government's It would have provided more obstacles for governments to make those decisions and make those laws. It also would have given advocates another vehicle with which to challenge those laws. And I think at a community level, the normative effect that having a Human Rights Act um, as a part of your nation's laws and framework would have perhaps evoked more outrage from different parts of the community. So for all all of those reasons, I think it would have been a different situation.
3: You're listening to 3CR, and that was just um, talking about a human rights charter uh, down at the Wheeler's Centre. And I I thought it was really interesting, um, the point that was brought up, which was discussing the fact that just around Christmas time, when you're thinking about family and, you know, connections and community, is when they push through things like the um, Inscription Act. So. That was just interesting in the way of um, bills and kind of how insidious our parliament can be sometimes. We're going to jump to a song now. Uh, this is Joseph by The Medics, which is a fantastic new band, which I've just discovered. So let's enjoy that. And you're listening to 3CR. Now, as we said, for NADOC Week, we are doing a special broadcast of Beyond the Bars that will be going from 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock today at both Fulham Correctional Centre and Loddon Prison in Victoria. But um in the meantime, I thought I'd play just a few highlights from a few years ago, just to kind of give you a taste, a feel of it. So, this is from, uh, 2014's coverage, and this is a recording at the Dame Phyllis Forest Centre at Borden, Loddon, and Port Phillip prisons, and at the Fulham, uh, Correctional Centre. So, what today, what, um, is gonna be airing on today? Um, and this is called Passing On Through.
1: Well, I'm passing like daddy's swing, blowing up the desert sand. Traveling on from town to town, I'm a wanted man No place to hide, no place to go I gotta keep on rolling like a rolling stone Oh, I gotta keep moving or I'll never see the light of day Had a fight in a country town not so long ago Accidentally killed a man with a single blow. Well, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. You're beaten twice, and that's for sure. Oh, I gotta keep moving, or I'll never see the light of day. But now I'm passing on through like that. He's been blowing up the desert sand. Traveling on from town to town, I'm a wanted man No place to hide no place to go I gotta keep on rolling like a rolling stone Oh, I gotta keep moving or I'll never see the light of day How do I think it's back in that little town? Put her out one Friday night, she was messing around. With the fire in my eyes, I could only see red. The state of the moment, I lost my head. And I dread the day I went and took another man's life. But now I'm passing on through like daddy's wind blowing off the desert sand. Travelling on from town to town, I'm a wanted man No place to hide, no place to go I gotta keep on rolling like a rolling stone Oh, I gotta keep moving or I'll never see the light of day On this um, whole
10: conversation of uh, recognition, you know, the Mm. recognition debate uh, I'm a broadcast journalist. I'm finding it very difficult to understand the complex issues surrounding the very issue that everyone's talking about. It's, it's not an easy issue, and uh, uh, everybody's got a different opinion. Mm. You know, there's different working groups. It, it, it's hard to keep up. So, well, look, for God, what it is—four
4: little sentences that recognise mm. pretty much about it. So watered down, and it's nothing. It's a selling yourself out. A few mm. sentences, really. You know, the, we, we recognise mm. in society they have to be doctors. There has to be councillors. There has to oh. be police. That's just yeah. the reality of the numbers in the world these days. We need yeah. all that. Mm. And I know we do need people to inform this government, but look, we can sit there and rubbish these people who are, you know, who are letting themselves Hand-pick. be accessible to the government. How do, how do we inject without wanting to be formally tied up in these roles? How do we inject our opinion and make sure they're representing our opinion when we have no trust and faith in it, if they call themselves experts? How do we, how do we rebel against that?
11: Aboriginal people have always been inclusive, so I don't understand how these 40 people, admittedly very knowledgeable, articulate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but how? I would never ever entertain the thought of making decisions on behalf of the Brapa Willong people of Gunai Kurnai, because mm-hmm. I'm not of that clan. I would never entertain that. If I was asked by the Mutti Mutti people or the Wadi Wadi people, could you go there and represent us, I'd go. Mm. But I haven't been asked. Mm. And that, that, therefore, the people that are up there are self-proclaiming. I don't want to try and know their thought process, but they're self-proclaiming themselves. And that's, that's the hypocrisy and the disrespect that they're having for all the other 500 nations of people. And it
4: seems a bit imbalanced when you're largely from a public service background you're, mm. you know, you've, you've been appointed by public service government departments to play certain roles Why can't we find a position where there's one person who's sitting in here now In Dame Phyllis Frost Centre Or you know, one person who represents prisons to, mm. to, to get them onto those panels We don't have any of the first voice We have secondary, third, little feedback mm. voices People might listen to this program and go and represent your point of view but it's just not the same. It's not lived. Yeah, mm. and
10: what I'm hearing here is that we're still having people who think that they can speak on behalf of
7: blackfellas.
11: The people who are up there at the moment are probably in agreement in with this recognised movement. They're there to sort out the yes part of the constitutional change. Mm. What about the people who don't agree? Are they allowed to in on this, on, this, on this meeting? No, they're not. Mm. And, um, and where is their voice you know, where, where yeah. where's, where's the Jenny Munros and, uh, and the Michael Andersons and, uh, Gary and the Gary Foley's and, uh, and the Lyle Munros and uh, the people who aren't in agreement with any part of this, this ideology or this constitution?
3: And you're listening to 3CR. We just had a song called Passing On th- by Dexter and just then um, a conversation by women from the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre uh, about constitutional recognition. We also, just as a quick song, uh, have a pitch, uh, uh, a song by them. Uh, so we'll play that now and then jump into our next interview. You
11: me of Oh,
1: Ashley's there. She's right, Nela. I hoped you were coming home
11: just called to say I want you to come back home Ooh. Oh, Aunty Kim's there, she's I got the microphone on
1: her too Oh, oh I swear I changed my way All the
11: girls up in the back, come on, ready, here we go just
1: called to say I want you to come back home Here we go I just can't
12: say I love you Come back home Hello, I am Gabriel Gatte.
8: 3CR is like a souffle, a challenge to make, but it can just go higher and higher and higher. Support 3CR. Accented Women
3: obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives.
8: Accent to women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the...
5: How the can country? people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are two, where there are armies there and terrorists there, such conflict every single day of their lives.
3: Accent to women a show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Every Monday from 11am on Community Radio 3CR.
4: Don't panic, there is a Planet B. Come along to a sparkling night of progressive comedy at Green Left Weekly's annual comedy debate. Join Masters of Ceremonies, Rod Quantock with Sean Bedlam, Duff, Fiona Scott-Norman, Child, Kirsty Mack and Tom Tanuki. Tickets are $50 Solidarity, $30 Regular, $22 Low Waged and $12 Concession. There'll be a bar and the opportunity to buy a delicious dinner. Friday the 26th of July, 6.30pm at the Brunswick Town Hall. Don't panic. There is a Planet B, a fundraiser for the radical newspaper Green Left Weekly. Bookings are essential. Phone nine six three nine eight six double two, 8622 or go to trybooking.com forward slash BDHTX. Green Left Weekly is a 3CR supporter.
3: And you're listening to 3CR. Now, as special um, within our NADOC week coverage this week, um, we thought we'd find out a little bit more about uh, the history and significance of NADOC. So. Looking up kind of what NAIDOC is now, it's a huge celebration of the history, culture and achievements of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Um, but also doing some research into its background, it's also this huge outcome of kind of the struggle and fight against Australia's rampantly racist roots. Um, to kind of explain more of where NAIDOC Week came from, what it represents, and this year's theme of Voice, Treaty and Truth, we have John Paul Schenke, co-chair of the National NAIDOC Committee, um, on air. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, John. So, uh, Native Week as we know it now has its roots partially in the sustained First Nations protest of Australia Day as far back as the 1920s. Um, how does a protest that occurs in January, the, the day of mourning, uh, kind of end up being a celebration at the start of July?
7: Well, you're right. Its it roots start back in the 1920s and um, it ultimately leads to a day of mourning in 1938 where in uh, Australia, Australia Hall in Sydney... Um, about 150 uh, Aboriginal people met to protest and and talk about the the treatment of Aboriginal people in Australia uh, in the 1930s. Um, A lot of people from Victoria um, and the other parts of Australia drove to that meeting, and they actually uh, held a march, and it was one of the first uh, black civil rights marches in the world, and if not the first one here in Australia. Um, So... From that, uh, you know, protesting on Australia Day each year about the treatment um, of Aboriginal people in this country. Um, And also what they were doing was they were um, moving towards, uh, you know, trying for justice, equality, freedom and basic human rights for Aboriginal people around the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was decided in about the 50s that that it would be moved from a day of mourning uh, to the first Sunday in NAIDOC week. Um, and then from there, it's expanded into a week of activities that incorporates National Aboriginal Day, mm-hmm. which was always the second Friday in July.
3: And what makes NAIDOC, um in particular special? I mean, it, it does seem to be this this spirit of celebration almost, this, this kind of bringing, drawing together of communities. What, what's kind of your sense on that or opinion on that?
7: I think historically the week for a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, you know, going back from the 1940s, 50s and 60s, It was actually a week that they could um, show their survival. You know, in those times, you know, Australia's Indigenous peoples were living under very uh, different circumstances. They were living on missions and reserves. They were told when and when they can't move off those reserves. Their employment was restricted. Their, um, you know, education was denied. So NADOC Week gave them the opportunity to actually showcase who they are as Indigenous peoples but also show their survival. So for the 40s, 50s and 60s, up until the 67 referendum, it was really a case where Aboriginal people could actually uh, try to be treated as equal citizens in this country. So it's always, for me and a lot of other Aboriginal people, NAIDOC Week is always a week that's born from a day of protest and mm. a movement towards justice, towards equality and basic human rights. So today the week is, um, while it's still... Uh, has remnants of those uh, protests. It's actually now more a week of celebration to celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture as the oldest living culture in the world and also a unique status in the world and this country um, as the, the first peoples of this country.
3: Absolutely. And uh, this kind of signifying of all these achievements, um, as you mentioned, the 1967 referendum, land rights, uh, the uh, establishment of the Australian Aborigines League, I'm sure I could go on, <laughs> Uh, the last few years, the, the theme around NAIDOC Week really seems to be pushing kind of for more action, and has that, still has that, not necessarily protest, but that capacity to push for change. Would you kind of agree to that? That, that constant, hey, where we are is not good enough.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, NAIDOC Week uh, is a week the, the NAIDOC Week themes have only been around since the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the themes would uh, highlight the aspirations of Aboriginal people. And in the 70s, a lot of those were very political. Um, you know, but again, to try to establish basic human rights and equality, and freedom, and justice. Um, move forward to today. It still it still highlights the aspirations of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's now in a, in a movement where um, it's it's more inclusive. It's encouraging that all Australians get behind 8-up an Week and, and all Australians support the aspirations of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
3: Absolutely, and this year's theme um, is voice, treaty, and truth, which I found really interesting because they're three very different concepts, but yet there's kind of obvious overlap between them. How do these kind of these different ideas in your mind intersect to kind of create this year's theme?
7: Well, I think for the committee, the, the choice of the theme um, was to highlight uh, two main purposes. One was obviously the Hillary Statement of the Heart in 2017 mm-hmm. set out um, you know, three key elements for reforms. And they were structured reforms and they were in a particular order of voice, treaty and truth. But for a lot of Aboriginal people, those three elements um, are aspirations that we've been talking about for generations. You know, I think for generations, First Nations people have always sought the recognition of the unique place they hold in Australian society and history. Um, and they always want to stay in issues and policies that affect them. So the call for a voice has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Of course, the voice, the, the call for a treaty, and the move towards a treaty has been around for um, you know decades. In the seventies, there was a move towards ma- establishing a Makarata Commission, um, and it's been echoed by the Uluru Statement uh, in twenty seventeen. But way back in, in the 1930s, um Aboriginal people were calling for a treaty with the First Nations people of this country, and of course, to build to build all that we. Mm we feel as though, you know, the true history of this country needs to be told, um, and that's the history of colonisation, mm-hmm. and, and whose impacts are still felt today by a lot of communities.
3: Absolutely, and as you mentioned, um, the voice, Treaty and Truth, do come out of um, kind of three key elements set out in the Uluru Statement from the Heart in 2017. Um, I was kind of wondering, reading into that, that Uluru Statement, uh, the First Nation voice, uh, the, the the kind of calls for action were for a First Nations voice to be enshrined in the Constitution, a second for a Makarata Commission to supervise treaty processes and truth telling. Can you kind of tell us what um, a Makarata is? And kind of secondly, how does this treaty equal voice and truth?
7: Well, a, a Makarata is, um, a, a is a Yongle word for mm-hmm. um, sort of a peacemaking or a peace ceremony, and it's used uh, traditionally when there's a disagreement between. Uh, Individuals or nations, and they are brought together um, as a peacemaking uh, ceremony. Some, the word Makarata comes from uh, North East Arnhem Land. Mm. Um, so the idea is that it's uh, up a Makarata Commission to, to look at moving towards a treaty or treaties um, mm-hmm. between uh, various governments and various levels of democracy with First Nations people um, to come together to finish the unfinished business, to, to recognise. Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, as the, you know, the custodians and the traditional owners of, of land, but also to move forward to the future. The idea of we can't really have a treaty without uh, talking about the history of this country,
1: mm. you know,
7: um, having a having a sort of a truthful understanding, the history and how we got to where we are today. So uh, we believe that you need to have a truth-telling, and it can be a truth-telling at local level, at regional level, at state level, but also at national level, to actually get to where we are, so where the two parties can actually sit down and talk um, in in like a Makarata type ceremony. Absolutely. And ultimately, that would would be also uh, driven by Mm -hmm. a voice. And the the Uluru Statement uh, nominates that that voice is enshrined in the Constitution, Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is that gives it... um, unique status within the Constitution, but also that it cannot be abolished by governments um, at the stroke of a pen, like we've seen various other national advocacy bodies, whether mm. the Department of Aboriginal Affairs, National Aboriginal uh, Consultative Council, or the Aboriginal and Island Commission. So the challenge uh, the challenge for the delegates that met, over 200 delegates met at Uluru in 2017, was to, to highlight those key reforms mm they see can um,
3: lead to a shared future. And um, just kind of touching on today's news, um, the ABC has just released that a referendum of, on a proposal to recognise Indigenous peoples will be held in the Constitution within the next three years, and that comes from the Indigenous Minister sorry, Minister for Indigenous Australians, Ken Wyatt. Um, does it, is this kind of what progress looks like or what, what your kind of... Uh, what, what Native Week's kind of meaning with this Voice Treaty and Truth? Is that... Well, is on the path?
7: Look, ideally the theme creates conversation, and every week... Mm-hmm. Every year, NAIDOC-Wheem is actually about having that conversation, mm. and not just in that week. It's actually to drive conversation for years to come. Um, if you look at last year's theme, which was Because of Her we Can," which mm-hmm. was uh, all about highlighting the significant contribution and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women, those conversations are still happening. People are still celebrating and recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women. With this year's theme, you know, a week is not long enough to cover all the different uh, factors and issues involved in a voice treaty truth.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: So we hope that NAIDOC Week is used as a catalyst for a lot of different sectors to have those conversations. It's used by you know, um, governments and businesses and community groups and basically the whole of Australia to actually start that dialogue and conversation so we move towards those three te- key factors. And what we will find is that different states will uh, push forward, other states will lag behind, so mm-hmm. it's really just, it's It's a catalyst for conversation um, and movement and progress within regional areas. And it's up to those regions to have have the say on the timings Mm -hmm. and the delivery of those three elements. um, Because, you know, in the end, the number one thing is a voice. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people want a voice in their future, but they also want to be part and an important part of the process.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on today and kind of giving us that context on the history, relevancy and kind of, well, beauty of the celebratory like NAIDOC Week. Now, obviously, this is, as you said, one week out of the year. However, its sentiments are timeless and something we should be talking about all year round. Um, How can someone get involved with NAIDOC Week uh, or more so kind of support of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community around them?
7: Yeah, look, I, I say to people, look, I think NAIDOC Week is a great opportunity to just learn more about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture you know our history and our, our, our rich, our rich diversity. I think you know a lot for a lot of mainstream Australians, they, their contact with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people is quite limited. So mm. I'd say you know use NAIDOC Week to get out there to, to go to community events, to attend other events in your regions, to to learn more about Aboriginal culture. You know, there's lots of content now on mainstream TV um, about in, Indigenous lifestyles and histories. Read more. I think just use it as an opportunity to. Learn more, but also as, as Australians, celebrate the unique place that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people hold in the world. Mm. And that is that, um, you know, Australia has the oldest continuing, continuing culture on the planet. You know, older, older than the pyramids, older than the Aztec, you know, the Aztec Indians, the Sumerians, Native, Native American Indians. We are the oldest continuing culture Mm. on the planet. I think that's something that all Australians should celebrate.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks very much. And you're listening to 3CR. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Well, have we got a song or something lined up?
2: Yes, we do. I'm not sure if we've heard this song yet today. It's uh, Ngera Nera by Emily Worumara. Uh Fantastic song. Uh, and the title means Wake Up. Let's listen in.
1: My dreams, oh, I thought that it'd be high. The stars are so close, they're not so very far. And the stars and the moons agree with me too, that the light shines in me like it shines on you, and the path that I'll choose will always be.
2: You are listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. The time right now is 8.05, and uh, that was Ngera Berakun, or Wake Up, by Emily Wurumara.
3: Absolutely. Uh, We just had John Paul Janke, the co-chair of the National uh, NADOC Committee, on air, and we were kind of discussing the relevance of NADOC Week, and we thought Mm. we'd just do kind of a where are we at, kind of, or or recent announcements that have come out. Yes. Um, So, as I said, uh, it has been just announced this morning by Ken Wyatt, the uh, Minister for Indigenous Australians, Mm. that uh, there is a referendum on the proposal to recognise Indigenous people in the Constitution. Mm. Um, The time frame is very vague thus far. It said within the next three years. Yeah. Um, And To follow that story, you might want to follow the... There'll be an announcement at the National Press Club, uh, which will be addressing the Hmm. issue later today. He's also pledged to work with the opposition on the proposal and allocate $7 million uh, to the process. Hmm. So... I mean, playing a numbers game, 7 million is not a huge number, but who knows what that breaks down to, and hopefully we'll find out a little bit more about that.
2: Yes. Uh, Just to remind folks, Beyond the Bars is 3CR's live radio broadcast in Victorian prisons. Today we'll be hearing between uh, 11 and 1 p.m. from folks at the Fulham Correctional Centre near Sale, and then from 1 to 3 p.m. it'll be Loddon Prison near Castlemaine. So definitely tune in um, for some... Great conversations for some music, I imagine. People will be mm. playing on the spot and um, uh, interviews with people um, who are currently incarcerated and uh, with Indigenous um, people who are preserving their culture in, in incarceration.
3: Absolutely. And we have played a few tunes um, from previous years, mm-hmm. but did you know every year that there's a little CD made?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. There is a CD. <laughs> the Beyond the Bar CD is available at 3CR Studios if you go to t- uh, 21 Smith Street Fitzroy, uh, we open at 9am, close at 5pm, you just press a little buzzer, mm. someone will let you in and we'll have all the info about that CD. Um, you can just pick up your own copy.
3: Uh, listening to a few of these tracks also, like mm. to decide what we're playing in our show, I yeah. think we should be playing these more so around the year. They're, yeah, they're absolutely. pretty sick, <laughs> they're pretty yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, also, I just wanted to touch on, um, just with the Ken Wyatt thing, and also what's happening locally. Sure. Um a post just from Daniel Andrews, who is extraordinarily active on Facebook, has just um, reiterated the commitment for of Vic- the Victorian government to a uh, treaty with First Nations people in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were advertising this a while ago because... Um, uh, the nominations for kind of candidates for this uh, First Nations uh, Assembly, First Peoples um, Assembly, uh, was from just ended in June 17th, so it ended yes. quite recently. Yep. Now, currently, from the 8th to 21st of July, so starting two days ago, um, their uh, voting is now open. With options to vote online, in person, or via post. And you can find more information uh, to visit at treatyforvictoria.org.au. Yeah. I will just specify this is for only for First Nations individuals. Of course. Uh, yeah. not...
2: Can you remind us the website again?
3: Absolutely. It was treatyforvictoria.org.au. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daniel Andrews has just posted about the commitment and kind of linking to that so yes. hopefully we see that go through because that's quite yeah. exciting
2: um, That's an interesting commitment from Dan Andrews in the context of the still planned destruction of sacred birthing trees on the land of the Japwarang people mm. um, If you want to find out more about the, um, the threat to this very important cultural heritage um, first of all you can head over to um, the Japwurrung em- Embassy which is... Um, along the um the freeway between Melbourne and Ararat. Um so it's it's actually a two hour drive or a bit more than that to get out there, so just search D W Embassy on Facebook and that's their official Facebook page. I'm sure you can get in contact with them there. Um otherwise the um the feed will on SBS, the the sort of news, current affairs show the feed on SBS will be screening a sec, um a feature on the Jibwurrung, um trees. That'll be uh, this Thursday, 8.30 p.m. on SBS Viceland. Mm. Um, and that's something that I'll definitely be watching. Oh, yeah, um, definitely tuning in to. To find out what's what's going on. Last I heard there mm. was a stop works, um, so they were not going to bulldoze the trees, um, probably because of the action of the the people at the Jibwurrung, um Heritage Defenders Embassy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was until early August, but that's rapidly approaching, and so... Yeah, and yeah. it's,
3: it's also awesome, it's getting some also mainstream coverage because uh, 3CR has been following the story very closely. Yes, um, yeah. So it, it's good that it's getting a little bit. It's getting the story's getting out there, and yeah. as you said, there has been progress made. Um. So
2: over the protection. I don't know about progress made, but basically it's been pushed further and mm. further back so that the bulldozers will be sent in by Major Roads and Vic Roads. Right, to, so, um, yeah,
3: maybe progress not right, hope. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Due um, to the, the continued um, representation of people, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, the time right now is coming up to 8.10. What I was thinking we could do is we could uh, maybe have a look at the weather. Absolutely. Yeah. We said 8 o'clock. We it's
3: 8.09. <laughs> it's close enough. It's, it's yeah.
2: working. Yeah, anyway, um, so today it's quite a cold day, as you can probably tell. When I left the house, there was about... 10 degrees, just under 10 degrees. Mm. Um, So, and it's still. 10 degrees, actually. We're looking at a top of 16 today, with late showers becoming windy. So you know when it's 16, but it's windy, it'll be even colder. So definitely wrap up nice and warm, although I imagine a lot of people who are working during the day will have already left home. So sorry, folks. Um, It's going to be a mostly sunny morning, with a high 80% chance of showers this evening. Mm. Uh, Winds are northerly from 20 to 30 kilometres, increasing to 30 to 45 during the day. So that's quite blustery.
3: I'm so scared because we've got uh we've got concrete sheeting going up on our house, oh. and if the rain gets in on, under that, that's, yeah. we're a little bit we're a little bit um, proverbial. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so
3: hopefully everyone gets yeah. their washing and jobs or or things done yes. before the uh, yeah. the gusts hit. And
2: if you if you're um if you're either working from home or you've got the day off work, yeah. or if you're working this evening and um and you're sort of taking it easy during the day, mm. then I might—I would definitely remind you that Beyond the Bars is still going, mm. bro- broadcast will start at 11, and it'll go until 3pm.
3: Mm, yeah, and get out in the sun.
2: Absolutely. While it's still around. Oh, this morning, whilst it's still around, that's right. While it's right. still around today. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast. We'll be right. Uh, we'll be, we're, st- we're still here. We'll continue <laughs> to be here forever, but uh, we are listening to um, some community service announcements. Stay tuned.
10: G'day. My name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your dial.
12: Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads, and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council... Forward slash petitions, and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117.
0: A 3CR supporter. Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm.
7: Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
11: What's up, listeners? This is Johnny Mac here. Just reminding everybody to tune in to 3CR at 11am each day from Monday, July the 8th to Friday, July the 12th for our special Beyond the Bars broadcast during NATO. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. So make sure to listen in and support our brothers and sisters until they're home
1: again. Hi. Hi. Hi, we're from Raybrook College, and you're listening to Free CR Community Radio
2: on
8: 8:55 a.m.
5: It will be worth the effort to get to Darwin from the second to the fourth of August for the Independent and Peaceful Australian Networks National Conference, Australia at the Crossroads. Time for an independent foreign policy. Held under the ominous shadow of US-China contention and US-Australia military exercises for war on China, discussion and speakers will address the social and economic cost of militarism to Australia, the impact of militarism on the environment, and the dangers posed to our peace and security by stationing US troops in Darwin. For more details, head to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's website at ipan.org.au. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. Dino, Dino surprise, surprise
1: Surprise! It's a show about
4: kids' stuff.
12: What sort of kids' stuff?
4: All sorts of kids' stuff.
12: I'm Carl punezzo.
4: And I'm Daniel Salvatore Christopher Larkins, punezzo <laughs> And we are... Playing the platters that matter.
12: Spinning the discs with a twist.
4: Talking the job that will
2: keep you alive. To, to make, make sure, sure
12: you really, really
2: exist. exist. Every Thursday.
12: From 3.30 till 4. Right here on 3CR. 8.55 on your AM dial. We have giveaways in
1: question time.
12: We'll need you to SMS your favourite line.
1: So tune in to find out what's going on in our world.
12: I'm surprise
0: surprise, surprise, surprise. Hey you, you who are
3: listening. We haven't reached our target yet, but you can help us out. Log
9: into our website, 3cr.org.au or call us on 94198377 and give us some support. Help us keep
3: running this radio for another year. We need you.
9: Hi, this is Rafi Ziada and you're
10: listening to 3CR, Pro-Palestinian Happily Proud Radio.
3: It's not too late to donate.
9: It's not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate to 3CR Radiothon, 94198377, or check our website,
3: 3cr.org.
7: Tune in to Billabong
6: Beats Tuesdays at 11am with me, Gavin Moore, giving a voice to both Western Kulin and Kulin First Nations peoples. Join me to talk about philosophy and dreamtime stories surrounding the waterhole, the sacred fire, the land, the plants and animals. Billabong Beats, 11am Tuesdays on 3CR.
2: And you are listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR, Community Radio. Uh, Now, next up, we're going to be speaking to some folks from UNSW. Uh, If you're um, an Indigenous school leaver and you're seeking entry into UNSW to study uh, science and engineering, they're running an inaugural pre-program to help people um, from Indigenous backgrounds uh, get into the science and engineering courses at UNSW. And we've got two people on the line to help us um, figure out what that means. So we've got Dr. Janelle Wheat, who is the Deputy Dean of Education at UNSW Science. And we also have Derek Kinchella, who is the Student Services Manager at Nuragilli, the Indigenous Programs Unit. Uh, Dr. D- uh, Janelle, Derek, welcome to 3CR. Good morning. Thank
10: you, Will.
2: Thanks for coming Thank on, you. folks. Um, so first of all, um, Janelle, can I ask you, who is this program for and... um Give us an idea of the shape of the program what it what
10: it is. Yes, yeah, thanks. so the program's designed for all indigenous school leaders. for those students who are in year twelve this year or any student who's finished year twelve, um any indigenous student and um, and it's open to students who may not have even studied science in senior in senior schools. we do we do have um, a lot of opportunities for students to look at the science that they are interested in or the engineering programs that they're interested in. So um, especially looking at getting these students onto campus, having a a bit of a sense of what UNSW is all about, getting a feel of what it's like to go to university. And when they're there, they actually sit in on some classes um, and these classes include math. They could include chemistry or psychology, biology, computer engineering, or sustainable engineering. So all of these students will be able to experience lots of different courses. They'll meet other Indigenous students. They'll meet staff from New Agile. They'll meet um, our academics who will be teaching them in the next year. And they'll get a sense of what they actually um, may or may not like to study at UNSW. They'll complete some assignments, they'll do an exam, they'll have one-on-one tutoring and mentoring, and we'll sit down with them to try and work out how we can get them into the program of their
2: choice. That sounds fantastic. I, I can only imagine this will f- help to direct more Indigenous students towards the sciences and engineering. Um, Derek, can I ask you, as someone who works at Noorra um, you, um facilitate pro- you have already facilitated programs like this for um, other fields like business and education, law, medication uh, medicine and social work so with this science and engineering program can you can you talk to the the value of having uh indigenous led and also um indigenously culturally appropriate um support for students as they go into this um this new sort of chapter of their life as undergraduates
6: yeah so for all of our programs um for the other programs we've run it's it's all been about that, but with the science and engineering, it, this is a very rewarding time for us to have this program come in because we actually run an Indigenous science and engineering program in for grades 7 to 9, which is we don't do that for any other program um, like the law or business or anything like that. So this is what we're going to see this year is hopefully students coming through that have done that program and then done our um, famous winter school program and then come in and do that. So what we've been building is the interest of students uh, in the low levels of um, high school and hopefully that day when they get to year 11 and 12 they are doing the correct um, classes and they can go straight into that. Uh, for the other programs what I've found is with, uh, with the with the winter school which was happening next week which is a winter school is our um, grade 10 to 12 camp that we have about 100 students from across the country come, and they split into 11 faculty groups and they experience university life for the week so with that, we're finding that the students are coming on campus and they're engaging with current students, um, the faculty staff, as Janelle said, and they're working in that, getting that grounding there in university and what it is to be at university. So when they come for the pre-programs, they're very excited and they know what to do and they know what's expected so that they're getting straight in and they're actually learning content from the first year of their class. So we're actually having great success with our students in their first year of study because of these programs. So by having Neera Gillian, having our student mentors and the one-on-one tutoring, Components to it really gives the students a sense of place on campus, and provides that cultural input that really makes them feel like they're a part of what they're doing. They feel like they're a part of the university and not just, um, you know, an extension of it. So it's it's really good that um, for us to work with the faculties, but then to to lead uh, the students into this next space of studying science and engineering.
2: Fantastic. Um, so, Janelle, can I ask you, obviously NeuroGilly has been running these programs in the past. So this is the, inorg- the inaugural pro- program that NeuroGilly is running together with um, UNSW Science. Can I ask you from your point of view what it was like setting up this program? What what were things that you kind of had to learn to help facilitate this program?
10: So the program was actually set up um, by our very skilled science equity and diversity and inclusion officer, hmm. Um, Tini Mari, and she was pivotal to this um, the success of this program. It required pulling together the Nirogili staff. um, Tini pulled together Nirogili students and alumni, Indigenous staff, um, including an Indigenous staff uh, member who was instrumental in setting up the medicine tree program. Um, Academics from two faculties. The logistics of this is really quite quite significant, Um, and You know, she was really quite um, successful in defining just how important it is to have Indigenous students at UNSW and to create that sense of of safety and purpose that Derek was just talking about. You know, pre-programs are really important because a lot of students who are first in family to go to university, and a lot of Indigenous students certainly fit this particular category, are not as successful, and that's because they don't know what to expect they come onto campus and they don't feel like they belong to a group. They, they don't have that sense of, um, of a community. And um, so I think that that's, that's the bit that was the challenge and, and it's, the, it's the most important part of the program in my opinion.
2: Mm, that sense of, of community and belonging and um, sort of a very, a very safe place to feel like you belong to the community at UNSW. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so can I ask, Derek, um, so Neurageli runs all sorts of different programs um, for students, not just as they um, enter into UNSW, but also as um, throughout their tenure as students. Um, can I ask you to tell us a bit more about um, how Neurageli helps Indigenous students um, you know, continue and, uh, and excel in their, their studies at UNSW? Yep. So
6: Neurageli uh, offers a wraparound, um, partial care, um, service to our students. So we provide, a, we do one-on-one, we provide students with one-on-one tutoring. We we've like match them up with tutors and they get one-on-one specific content tutoring for all of their subjects that they're studying at university. Um, we provide the cultural and partial care from the staff and anything um, that students might come up around, um, I guess, mental health or anything like that where our staff are able to work with students um, very closely on that. We provide support with accommodation, um, so we've in scholarships and all those services plus we do a lot of social activities with students so today being NAIDOC week it's a very big week on campus for us um, and in the community so there's a lot of activities and today we've got um, a morning tea put on for the students um, in the regalia. than there's a Nouragilly Touch Day with uh, a lot of our students have organised with, uh, they live on the Kensington Colleges, so they're playing with the other college students, and there's a barbecue and some cultural dance and stuff, and then we're having an afternoon barbecue at Nouragilly with all of our students, and then tomorrow we've got a market stall and a few of those things, so, um, and with a lot of programs, a lot of things like that, so it's, we're just working with our students throughout their degree, we do uh, an awards night every year, which is a big occasion where we celebrate the academic success of students, so those Uh, high-achieving in each faculty, plus a couple of awards for commitment throughout the year. Um, And then, yeah, any sort of programs like that at university, we've really just worked with our students just just to keep them feeling that they are part of the university and that they're engaged with their study, but they're also engaged with the cultural and social side of it. Being a lot of our students, we are in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, a lot of our students do travel to come to this university, so we do have a large number that live on campus, so... A lot of that is just keeping that community up and keeping their spirits high and um, making sure that they're going all right with the study and that that feeling of place is is there with them.
2: Wonderful. Now, uh, Janelle, can I ask you, um, if listeners are themselves um, Indigenous school leavers or if they know someone who is, um, how would they direct them onto this program?
10: Uh, Yes. So, uh, applications open today... And you can apply directly on the NuraGilly website. So um, have a look for that, um, search it up on Google. Hmm.
2: I've on got um, NuraGilly.unsw.edu.au. So that would be N-U-R-A-G-I-L-I. Sorry, keep going.
10: <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yes. So I um, thanks for spelling it because I was thinking we do need everyone to know exactly where to go. And I guess the other thing is to know that um, all travel and accommodation is covered by Miragilly for this pre-program. Two weeks, roundabout, on campus, fully immersive, totally inclusive, and um, we're absolutely sure we can't wait to run it this year um, and already receiving a lot of interest. So even if you're not sure, um, please apply, put in your application today, um, and we'll see you on the 2nd of December.
2: So exciting! Once again, that's neuragili.unsw.edu.au, and neuragili is spelled N-U-R-A-G-I-L-I. I've been speaking to Dr. Janelle Wheat, who is the Deputy Dean of Education at UNSW Science, and Derek Cantella, who is Student Services Manager at Neuragili Indigenous Programs Unit. Derek, Janelle, thank you so much for joining us on 3CR Community Radio. Thanks,
6: Janelle. Thank you. You folks
2: have a wonderful day. Best of luck with the program. Thank you. You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Idwin, it's, <laughs> it's been a show.
3: It's been a show. It's been a show. Who have we had on
2: Well, we've had well, on? We were just speaking to Dr. Janelle Wheat and Derek Kinchella, both of UNSW and um, Derek of Nearagili Indigenous Programs Unit, about the. Um, Pre-program for Indigenous school lea- leavers leading into uh, science and education. You can find out more at their website, which we'll link on ours, 3cr.org.au/wednesday-breakfast.
3: Absolutely, and we also heard from John Paul Janke, which is that, who is uh, the national, sorry, the co-director of the National NADOC uh, committee, uh, and he kind of came on and talked. Gave us everything NADOC, which mm-hmm. was absolutely fascinating. You can find out more pretty easy. Just Google NADOC, go from there. And just another quick reminder today, uh, we are celebrating NADOC Week here at 3CR. Mm-hmm. We have a special Beyond the Bars po- um, kind of live show program. program. Yes. program. Yep. yep. Uh, today from 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock, you can tune in and you'll be hearing voices from the Fulham and the Loddon Prison uh, kind of correctional centres and prisons.
2: Wonderful. Um today I'm grateful for um whoever it is that left a bag of hawthorn uh jellies. They it's called hawthorn is the fruit. Ah. and it's kinda like this fruit. It's a Chinese um Chinese snack, Ooh. and it's got this really cute cartoon on it. Snack it. And I want to thank whoever that was at 3 ci who left that lying around. Idrin, what are I'm you grateful I'm grateful for?
3: for rubber bands. We get magazines every week, and they come in with these thick, usable, beautiful rubber bands. And this <laughs> sounds really inappropriate on morning t- um, radio. But um, oh, I just love rubber bands. Love They're rubber so bands. They're so useful. Impromptu so weapon. Who knows what I'm going to use it for. It's going
12: to get exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's it. Though thanks for listening. Us.
2: Next up is Stick Together. Stay tuned mm. to 3CR Community Radio.
10: Bye. 3CR relies on the support of
3: ethical organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall. You can check them out at
0: nibs.org.au. And if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 8377.